0: Get your hands up there. I know you can see There we go. There we go. Karate Kid. What up? 1980s. Um, 1984 was a good year for movies. Footloose, Gremlins, Ghostbusters, 16 Candles, Karate Kid. If you're a child of the 80s like mine, you've likely seen what we're about to see here. It's just a, a little clip. We'll see another part of it later on. But this, just to set it up a little bit, this is the part of the movie at the beginning where Daniel LaRusso, who is played by good old Ralph Macchio, uh, Daniel LaRusso is being picked on by some of the buddies, some of the the bullies. (laughs) They weren't buddies, they were bullies. Some of the bullies in his neighborhood. And all these bullies knew karate, and uh, he was sort of defenseless. And so he met this karate master, this karate master uh, named, that's actually only the second time that that move has been done on stage here. First service being the first. So uh, he meets this karate master named Mr. Miyagi. And uh, Mr. Miyagi agrees to train Daniel in karate so that he can defend himself. Well, the training starts with all of these mundane, boring, sort of pointless cleaning tasks. He's got him sanding and and waxing and painting at Mr. Miyagi's house. And so Daniel's like, what is going on with all this dumb, pointless stuff you've got? You just got me as your slave. That's all you're doing. I'm not even learning karate. Mr. Miyagi says, not everything is as it seems. Watch this clip.
1: you karate training.
0: On what? I'm being your slave is what I'm being, man. And we made a deal here.
1: So? So? So you're supposed to teach and I'm supposed to learn, remember? For four days I've been busting my... everyone do Ah, you learned plenty. I learned plenty. I learned how to sand your decks, maybe. I've washed your car, paint your house, paint your fence. I learned plenty, right? Ah, uh, not everything is as simple. Oh, I'm going home, man. You
0: ever feel like Daniel sometimes? All this waxing and sanding and painting? What's the point of all this work? Like, like, why is so much of life this seeming just sort of mundane, boring, kind of pointless stuff that seems to have no relevance to all these m- big important things that I want to do with my life? <laughs> you ever feel like that about a lot of your life? I remember feeling this way a lot like Daniel as a kid. A lot. Feeling like... Why am I having to sleep for eight hours a night when it seems like all my friends aren't and my parents are just being mean and they want me to sleep and you know maybe you remember being assigned books in English about grapes and and gatsbys and, and wondering what does this have to do with anything? I'm not gonna need to know this when I'm working later on, what's the point of all this? Maybe you had a coach who had you do crazy workouts uh, I remember one coach who had us carry teammates on our backs going up and down the stairs. I knew what it was about, but I didn't like it at the time. And I thought, man, this is just this is over, this is over what we need to be doing here. I mean, this is pointless work. Maybe, maybe you had a job. I remember my first job. I cleaned the bird cages and I cleaned the fish tanks. all this menial, boring work, sweeping and mopping and cleaning. And And I at the time kind of felt like, where is all this headed? What's the point of all this work? Maybe you felt like that as a kid. Maybe you feel like that now. Maybe you feel like your everyday work seems to feel disconnected from the bigger, more important things that you know that you're supposed to be doing with your life. You know that God has called you to. Maybe you feel that way even now as an adult. But what if there is a bigger picture going on? What if there's a bigger picture that in fact, you and I can't possibly see? That God is putting together with the world for the sake of His goodness and glory, for the sake of establishing a kingdom for Himself, what if that's the big picture going on? And, and, and in actuality, you and I can't even possibly see that bigger picture. It's the disconnect between what God's doing in the bigger picture and our everyday seemingly mundane and unimportant lives. That can be hard for us. That's the struggle. But, but what if God has something important for your future for which He is preparing you now? You just don't know what that is. You just don't see all the from here to there. What if what God's actually doing is a piece of that bigger picture that He is making happen in the world for the sake of establishing for Himself an eternal, powerful, glorious kingdom? What if... God has something important in your future for which He's preparing you right now. The Bible addresses exactly this question in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel where we're going to see today the story of a shepherd boy turned king and how he got there. Some of how he got there. You see what seemed insignificant at the time for David, is exactly what prepared him for the future. He was a shepherd boy who became a king. What easily could have seemed to him like insignificant, day-to-day, boring, mundane marathon of insignificance as a shepherd boy for hour upon hour upon day upon day was actually exactly what God was using to prepare him for a key role In this establishing of the kingdom. That's the story of David. And really, it's the story of every single one of us. If we will have the eyes to see that, if that will be our perspective on the matter. And really, this is just a matter of perspective. Because God is doing that. The question is how we see ourselves as a piece of that or not. Because, friends, we miss this truth about God using our daily, seemingly boring, seemingly insignificant day-to-day lives, we miss this truth because we are seeing things from our limited human perspective. Turn to 1 Samuel 16, if you don't have that handy yet. You see, we miss this truth because we make the same mistake that Samuel the prophet made when he was being sent by God to anoint David as the king. Look at 1 Samuel 16 there. We're going to start in verses uh, 6 and 7. This is when Samuel was sent by God to anoint David as king. That's something prophets did back then. They sort of anointed the next king. It's God's way of saying, hey, this is my guy. So follow along in verses 6 and 7 there. Samuel had just sent for David's whole family. And when they came, verse 6, he looked on Eliab, David's oldest brother, oldest of seven, And he thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. He was thinking that to himself, sort of as if he's talking to God here. Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. And then check this out. Key verse. Great verse. For the Lord sees, not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. We fail to see the significance of our day-to-day lives sometimes because we're seeking after and measuring the wrong things. It can be a distraction to seeing the bigger picture that God is making happen in our lives. As we as we sort of count the day-to-day stuff in ways that, that don't account for what God's doing in the world. So Samuel keeps on going through brother after brother after brother until, drop down to verse 11, until Samuel says to Jesse, Jesse is David's father, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. But behold, he is nothing special and is the youngest and is the weakest and is kind of short and is kind of a loser. Actually, that's not a direct quote. It actually says he is keeping the sheep. But it's close to the idea of what Jesse's trying to say here. Uh, the word there translated youngest is the same exact word translated smallest. And given the context of what's going on here and how Jesse says it, the obvious implication is you don't want this dude. Uh, he's the youngest, he's the weakest, he's the smallest. I mean, besides, he's off, he's off counting sheep. If you're familiar with the, the message, which is a, an idiomatic translation, sort of a paraphrase, a uh, paraphrastic translation, it says, it translates that verse, well, yes, there is the runt, but he's off tending the sheep. So not only is he sort of the youngest and weakest In theory, he's off doing some sort of mindless, silly, unimportant job. So not only did Samuel miss it, his own father, Jesse, missed it. Discounted him because of a narrow perspective. And no great surprise here, one of the brothers that was passed over, the first one that we read about, Eliab, he also misses out because of this narrow perspective. Uh, we'll get to that in just a second, but here's a situation to sort of set the scene here. You've probably heard about this story before. The people of God, the Israelites, are in battle against the Philistines. And a giant you've probably heard of named Goliath had been threatening the Israelites for 40 days. And so we've got the Israelites on one side, the Philistines on the other side. And the Bible calls this, uh, this Goliath guy a champion calls him a champion because a champion back in that day was the one who would stand in between the battle lines, stand up for the sake of the army, and fight on behalf of the army. Whoever won as champion took home the spoils. And so Goliath stepped forward for 40 straight days and not one Israelite would step forward. So David, coming up on the situation here, Asks his fellow Israelites, jump down to 1 Samuel 17.26, where we see David sort of question what's going on here as a setup for talking about Eliab, his brother, discounting him. He says in verse 26, when he comes upon this scene, David said to the men who stood by him, the Israelites around him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he should defy the armies of the living God. And Eliab, his brother, is not amused. Look at verse 28. Look at verse 28 where it says that his anger was kindled. Verse 28 says, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? So in other words, why are you even here, David? Why are you even here? Don't you have some sheep to tend to? You have no business even being here at all. (laughs) So, Samuel the prophet, Jesse, David's father, Eliab, David's brother, and even King Saul had this narrow, humid, limited perspective about David being ready for A day like this. Jump down to uh, verses 32 and 3 here. This is the uh, interaction between Saul and David, where uh, Saul discounts David because of a narrow human perspective. This is David saying to Saul, let no man's heart be fail because of him. This is David approaching Saul, asking him to uh, to let him go out. Let no man's heart fail because of him, because of Goliath. Your servant will go out and fight with this Philistine. I'll go be the champion. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. He's been fighting these kinds of battles since... Since he was a youth, and you still are a youth, you can't possibly go against this guy. It's again, from a human, human perspective, from a human perspective, the one that sees on the outside, the battle is all about the X's and the O's of military might and strategy. But remember, the Lord sees not as man sees. Man sees on the outside, but the Lord looks On the heart, David arrived on the battlefield that day with a different perspective. With a different perspective than than everybody else around him. Samuel the prophet, his own father, his brother, King Saul who knew better. David came with a different perspective. A perspective that understood that being ready for battle is something for which you prepare for way before the day of battle. Listen to what he says in 34-6. 1 Samuel 17. David's response to Saul. Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. (laughs) Hey, Saul, you ever fought off lions and bears? Because I have. And then he says, matter-of-factly here, he says, Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. David looks on this situation, and he knew that the Lord had been preparing him for this very day, for this very moment. he knew lions, bears, giants, they're all the same. I can take care of this guy because the Lord's on my side and the Lord's not on his side. So here's what happened. Look at verse 40. He took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. Records of shepherds even today with one sling are known from many, many, many dozens of yards away to be able to hit something uh, real small. So this isn't out of the question. Jump down to verses 43 and 44, where not only does do all these other people who have discounted David discount him, but of course, Goliath himself discounts David. He says this in 43 and 4, The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog? that you come to Me with sticks? All he saw was David's staff there. With a shepherd's sling and one smooth stone and a strong heart that knew that God would be faithful, David slayed a giant. He struck down the giant. Everyone else feared. Now it's so critical to see here is what David saw that no one else saw. He was ready for battle on that day. Because of many hours, days, months, and years of preparation beforehand. All those days of sitting there watching and counting sheep. In all those moments where no lions or bears are attacking. Could have felt to David like meaningless, pointless, Mundane, boring, unimportant time. But I suspect, given what we know about what happened, (laughs) I suspect David, even then, counted that time as valuable and important. An opportunity for him to be faithful in the little things to which God had called him so that he could be faithful in the big things later on. David could have seen his life day after day as a shepherd boy as sort of useless and unimportant. Sitting there for hours on end thinking, if this is going to be what I'm doing for the rest of my life, I'm going to get nowhere. You ever felt like that? But even then, perspective was everything. David knew then that God was preparing him for something greater. David knew then that being a shepherd wasn't pointless and useless work, but it was an important preparation for whatever it was that God was going to have him do. Whether it was the time for him being a shepherd or the time for him to slay a giant or, like eventually, for him to be king. My friends, sometimes it's easy to question. Sometimes it's easy to question uh, whether what we're doing has any real consequence in the big picture, in the big scheme. Uh, especially in those times when we're doing nothing but uh, sanding and, and waxing and, and painting. Like Daniel LaRusso from The Karate Kid. It's easy and it's, it's tempting to turn around and just, just go home. To say this is, this is pointless. But listen friends, we serve a God who pursues us and who trains us and who prepares us. If we will see it. We serve a God who trains us and pursues us and prepares us, if we will see it, to be a part of something that is of eternal consequence for being battle-ready when the time comes. Let's watch this.
1: Daniel-san! daniel, san. daniel san. What? Come here. Show me sand floor. floor. <laughs> Sand floor. Sand Big sucker. Sand floor. Sand Now show me. Wax on. Wax off. Hey. Wax on. Wax off. Wax on. Wax off. Wax on, wax on, hey. Wax on. hat, Wax off. It. Look, my eye. Lock a hand. Some inside. Axon on. Hat. Wax off. Hat. Wax on. Hat. Wax off. Hat. on. Wax off. Show me pentafence. Up. Down. Up. Down. Up, down, other side. Look eye, always look eye. Show me paint the house side, side. Not wrist, side, 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 side. Yes. Show me wax on, wax off. That's, that that. that's. Show me paint to fence. Heads! Face! Show me side to side. Yes! 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 Show me sand off floor. Heads! Face! Face! Yes! Here!
0: At the end there, he said, come back tomorrow. Friends, we serve a God who is doing bigger and more important things than we can possibly know. Which means that that we can live today in the faith that knows that He's going somewhere. That He's doing something. Friends, God has called us to a process of preparation. A day-to-day faithfulness that shapes us into battle readiness. That moment by moment, faithful step by faithful step, prepares us a little more to be a key piece of what He's doing in the larger picture And what He's doing in the larger picture is much bigger than any of us can have any idea about. Ephesians 2.10 is a real cool verse I want to put on screen for you. You should memorize this if you don't have this in your head and in your heart. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship. We are being made into something by God, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which He prepared beforehand that we should walk... This plan that he has going on here means that we can live today in the confidence that our now matters. Our now matters now because God is doing some big picture work that you and I can't even possibly fathom or understand. That's the trust that our day-by-day faithfulness, our tiny steps one at a time of growth into greater godliness, Are Him equipping us for the next battle that He has for us? It means that we can trust the process of God for for everything in our lives. The things we count as good. The things we count as bad. The things that are easy. The things that are hard. All of that is a piece of Him preparing us for greater witness, for greater Participation in the Kingdom of God. So the things that you do every day when you read the Word, when you pray in relationship with God, when you minister to somebody else with a a healing and kind word instead of a tearing down or gossipy word, when you do what's good and right at work in a situation that tempts you to weasel self out of it, when you live with integrity day by day, When you love your kids and teach them about Jesus and live in ways that are intentional for them to become who God made them to be. Every little piece of that, every iota, every ounce of effort of that is faithfulness in knowing that God is doing something much bigger than we can possibly imagine. Just think about David for a second. David didn't have any idea of the big picture of what God was making happen. But he lived, even as a shepherd boy, hour by hour, day by day, as if it mattered in preparation for what God had for him to do. David didn't know as a shepherd that he would step forward someday and be the champion between Israelites and Philistines. Let me tell you something else David didn't know. David didn't know that someday the Savior of the world, who would take on the sin of the whole world, would come from his very bloodline. That's a big picture. Through David, God was establishing a kingdom that would last forever. That's the big picture of the work that God is doing. Can you imagine what God can do through a people who see their seemingly mundane and relatively boring everyday existence instead of meaningless and pointless, as step-by-step faithfulness and preparation for God to use them to establish that kind of kingdom. An eternal kingdom of God's power and God's glory. You may not be asked to slay a giant, but you can live today knowing your every Contribution helps establish an eternal kingdom. Friends, your now matters. Your now matters now for what God's doing in the world. Let's pray together.